I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Something about slow-mo seems to always work in my favor. In the last few weeks alone, I had so many conversations about topics I knew nothing about. We chatted with uh, Charlene Giselle about primal health. I didn't know that existed. Then, you know, with Dominique around sophrology, which I heard the term quite often, but I wasn't aware of what that is. And I just keep coming across those topics with wonderful guests, you know, topics that I sort of seek but may have not had the time to research fully. And today is not any different. For the last couple of weeks, many of my friends have been constantly talking about that Ayurveda thing. And I'm like, is that a new type of yoga? Is this a, a meditation technique? What are we doing? You know, are, are we going to twist my body in a different way? And no, it turns out to be a serious ancient wisdom that goes, of course, into your health, but it's all about your entire being. And, and there we are sitting here today, expecting to be chatting to one of the experts on the topic. And so interesting. Anita Kaushal is not only a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, but she's an Ayurvedic expert that has built her entire success on Ayurveda. And she's a fundraiser, she's a creative consultant, and basically engaged in so many projects that all share one strong vision and, and a common thread, if you want, across all of them, which is to enrich the everyday life, to enrich the everyday life, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally. And, you know, with her background, she has a very, very unique view of life. She was born and raised in West London, but grew up steeped into her family's Indian heritage. And one life-changing event, we're going to talk about that in a bit, basically led Anita to reevaluate her entire life, where she wished her life uh, and, and business and every part of her life to be. And so she immersed herself in Vedic wisdom, and that led her to co-found Molly Rituals, her uh, successful eco-looks uh, beauty and wellness brand with her husband, Beto, which became so successful that it is now available through some of the world's most exclusive retailers and spas. And Anita is deeply knowledgeable on the topic of Ayurveda and, and holistic remedies for optimal skin care, for digestion, and so on. And in her in-tune meditation and spiritual practice, make her a force of love and joy with, with a passion, really, for helping others. So I know Anita through a friend, and uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a very long time. Of course, we're going to talk about Ayurveda in detail, but I also think you're going to really, really be inspired by Anita's personal story. So, Anita Kaushal. I want to start, Anita, by, by saying that I am a total rookie, is what they call it. I have no idea what Ayurveda is. I mean, I know the brand. I pretend in conversations and, and dinners and so on, I nod my head approvingly and I say, mm, amazing for you. But I really, I really am not an expert at all. So that I think will give us a big, a lot to talk about because you can, anything you will tell me will, uh, will amaze me. I have no idea at all, right? So that's a good place to be. But I don't, I don't want to. Oh, I'm going to have fun. <laughs> there you go. But I don't want, I don't want to start our conversation there. I want to start our conversation with. So we were introduced by the wonderful Alice Law, who I think you were on her podcast. And Alice actually was very successful here on Slow Mo. I think she's in the top five of downloads of all time. Wow! Amazing. She spoke about stress so eloquently, and she has a, a personal experience that uh, that made her very credible for what she uh, was talking about. And I know that you and I share the same personal experience as well, which uh, I almost felt the minute you signed on that you're in my same place. You have a, a content heart. Uh, you're grateful for the time. But I have to admit, I... I don't know if, if you're open to talk about Millie, because I, 
I am to you. But not to the podcast? Uh, no, I am to the podcast. I am to your podcast. I'm not to everybody. And it took me a long time to get to that place because in the beginning, Mo, I questioned if I was doing it for the right reasons. Because when I started my business, I started morely because partly because of fear, because one needs to get busy. When something happens, we need to get busy, right? We need to be doing. I couldn't just sit still. Partly it was the fear of, well, if we don't have an income and we don't have a a business and we don't have a purpose, well, what will happen? I wasn't very comfortable sitting with pain. That's the truth. That was partly why I started Morley. It wasn't a noble reason, if I'm honest. That was there somewhere. But it was also tinged with fear. But the wonderful thing about Morley is that the longer we've done it, the more it's become my medicine and my learning. And the more every day I start to feel the purpose of it and the truth of it more and more. And Ayurveda is a part of that. And Millie is a big part of that. And there's something very divine in Morley in that I realized years after we started that the first two letters of the brand name are the beginning of my son's name. His name is Manav, which means king among men. And the last two letters are the end of my daughter's name, which was Millie. And in the middle is the letter U. It's the only other letter. So it's about my son's future and about my daughter's honoring her past. And in the middle is everybody that we hope it reaches. It's you. It's the universe. It's all of us. It's a collective. And I think sometimes if we just put one step in front of the other, then divinity leads the way for us. And that's what it's doing with Morley. And I'm very, very grateful. And, you know, like you, Mo, I'm very grateful that she came to be with me for the time that she did. People often would say, well, you know, don't you think, why you? Yes, we did go through a point of anger. We did. I remember one day, Mo, it can be over the smallest thing when Millie was ill. Bitty was making the bed upstairs and uh, he said, Anita, where are the clean sheets? I said, you know, where they normally are. And he said, no, where are they? I can't find them. And I screamed at him and I went upstairs and I said, they're here. And I threw them at him. And from my memory, we hit each other for the first time. We hit each other really hard. And that was our anger coming out at our daughter, you know, realizing that she was not going to live and there was nothing we could do about it. So we did feel that, but we also felt, as I say, so much grace. And we also felt, why not us? What gives us the right to be exempt of pain and exempt of loss? <laughs> Nothing. This is our journey and it's all good. It's all good. You know, even when it's not good, it's okay because it's ours. You know, it's nobody else's, it's ours. I don't know many people who arrive at this place. I have a thing where I, I can almost read someone's soul from their eyes, if you want. I don't know how. I really don't know how, but I looked at Millie's eyes and she was not a normal person. Is that true? I mean, she was so zen and so wise. Oh, Mo, she was. <laughs> She was. She was very, very loving and a cheeky little soul. You know, she would make fun of my mother's accent, my mother's Indian accent, and she did a brilliant accent, but also the most loving, compassionate soul. And I think she, like your son, came to teach us something. I think I feel we had a pact and she was here to help me grow. And the mother-daughter relationship was only in as much as I could provide for her, I could love her, I could be mother in that way. But in terms of the learning and how wise she was, she was my teacher in a big, big way. And yeah, she was a very kind soul, beautiful soul. So I, I know they come to teach us. I don't know why they leave early. Did you ever think about that, that the most wonderful of all of us leave the earliest of all of us? I think that when they've completed their mission, then they leave to you know, somebody put it to me in a really good way. It wasn't me. I remember saying to my husband, I want to tell Millie she's leaving. I owe it to her to tell her she's leaving because I don't want her to go into the next life. As a Hindu, I believe in reincarnation. You know, we we reincarnate every morning from our sleep and I, I feel it's no different. So I didn't want her to go into her next life feeling mistrust. 
And so as, as her mother, I felt a duty to tell her the truth, but I didn't quite know how. And somebody said to me, you just tell her God wants her to wear a new costume and play a new part in the drama. Just tell her that. And that is how I put it. It was a very simple way to put it. I, I told her the story that her bunny is going through the light and when it reaches through the light, all, all the old family and friends are there. And she looked at me and I said, darling, I think God just wants you to play a new part in the drama. You know, maybe you get to be a princess. Maybe you get to be hmm. whatever you want to be, but it's time to play a new part. And she understood what that meant. And that's what I think it is. Like if we are actors, we don't want to be typecast and play the same part forever. So our wonderful souls have gone on to play a new part and... I'm just glad that I got to act with them for a while. That's how I feel. Oh my God, that is so beautiful to say. That is how I feel. Do you believe we'll act with her again? Oh, eternally I'll be acting with her. I'm acting with her now. I don't think, and Mo, I think you're the same. I don't think we would be breathing now if in our true heart and soul we didn't believe that they are with us and how can they not be with us? Because they've impacted every action you and I take. Everything you do with this podcast, with all your work, is because you're together. It's only the physical body that's left. Nothing else is left. It's not possible. And it's funny because people would say things like, oh, but you won't get to see her graduate and you won't get to see her get married. Imagine that. I said, well... Why would I imagine that? Because that was never to be. And also that is a futile imagining because we're imagining it from our skewed filter of perfection, right? It's never going to be like that. You know, as my husband once said to me, and it sounds bleak, but he said, Anita, imagine if she was a drug addict. Imagine if she was suicidal. That's also an imagining Wise. I, I wrote about that actually in Soul for Happy. I said, Did you? Yeah, I basically said, Imagine if Ali also died, but died of a drug abuse, also died, but died in a violent accident. I actually wrote, I don't remember if I wrote it, but I definitely remember thinking it. I, you know, when Ali left our world, he left because he excessively bled because of the surgeon's mistake. And so he had consecutive organ shutdown. And I know, I know this sounds really horrible when you think about it, but imagine if he had lived. And imagine what he, what he would have had to suffer living not the handsome, beautiful, wonderful, wise and smart and loving person that he always has been. And when you say imagine his wedding, you know, yeah, imagine if she was a horrible woman that he would have ended up marrying. Maybe I sort of feel we sort of insist and attach ourselves to certain ways of living while life in itself in whichever it's lived is wonderful. Like you, I completely, completely, completely I'm grateful for the wonderful 21 and a half years I had him. Not the seven years I didn't or six, six years I didn't. I think that's the way to look at it. So you being a Hindu, I mean, you were raised in the UK, so you never really lived in India, did you? Yeah. My parents played Indian music at home. We spoke Hindi at home. And I knew about reincarnation. We were not really religious, but yeah. I knew about it. And it gives me a lot of, you know, call it, um, what's the word for it when it's kind of blind faith? It doesn't matter. Whatever works to sustain you is good enough. Doesn't matter. Do you believe that people would benefit more from a bit of spirituality, even, even if it defies logic or if it doesn't have proof to it? I mean, there is a lot of, of tradition and spirituality in your life, in your work, in your love. And I don't know if a lot of people realize the value of that. Such value. I mean, there is so much that we can't see. Like people can't see Ali, but you can feel him, right? I can feel Millie. I don't have to see her to feel her. And, to, mm -hmm. and I don't mean her physical presence like, oh, she's around me. I mean, she's within me. And I think science is now catching up and learning. There is so much that we don't see. It's only now the scientists are now saying, oh, yes, the brain is separate and, you know, there is this energy field. And da -da. I mean, people knew, but now it's becoming the masses. So we say in Ayurveda that unless you are, there's health, which is I don't have disease, but then there's spiritual health, there's emotional health, there's mental health, there's physical health, and there's 
the health of our society. And we need to consider all of that to be truly healthy. Spirituality is a really big part of it. In fact, they say a physician cannot treat his subject properly if he does not look at the spiritual element of that subject's life, because it's a big part of it. I don't think Bitu and I could have got through without that. Even if that person is not aware of their spirituality, if it is not connected to their spirituality? Yeah, I think we still, everybody will meet you where they're at and you'll hopefully meet them where they're at. And I think it's just, you know, little, little things, slowly feeding little, little things until the time is right for them to connect to it. And I was getting there. I was always spiritual, but I was also, I was very spiritual, but I was also very egotistical out of fear again. And so my spirituality was, look at me, I'm so spiritual. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> is an egotistical thing to say. And slowly but surely from the time Millie was born and the time my son was born. So when my son was two and a half, my daughter had a grade four brain tumor and he was born and I couldn't be with him because I had to be in hospital with her. So there was a lot of pain then. And the doctor said, you know, you'll lose her, but we didn't lose her. And she lived. And after that, I would never go for scans. I would just cancel them because my spirituality and my faith told me we don't need to, she's fine. And when it was her 10th year, I remember something in me saying, you need to go for a scan. And I remember so well, Millie, we were at the swimming gala and she said, mommy, do we have to go for a scan? I said, yeah, darling, I think we do. And I didn't know why, but I knew we had to go. And that's the one where they told us that she had a brain tumor in her brainstem and it was inoperable. Not straight away, but they told us when they got the results. And that is a connection to my spirit that gave me that knowing. That is a deep connection to my spirit. And if we listen, we all have it. And it's there to teach us. But again, I think if I don't get it this time, listen, I'm no saint. I'm coming back. <laughs> so, Are you? Oh, I'm certainly coming back. I'm not. There is no question. I have got a long way to go. I'm coming back. <laughs> Do you? Good for you, Mo. <laughs> Say hello to Millie and I'll see you when <laughs> oh I get my there. Gosh. Oh, I'm so happy for you. No, I think I'm coming back. You do. You see what you think will happen. So you might as well think differently. No, you're right. I think I'm coming back, but I think next time is going to be a lot easier. I may have equal amounts of loss, if not more. But because where I will be in my journey, I think I'll manage it even better. And so heaven is on earth and therefore I don't mind coming back because heaven or hell is right here and how we perceive and how we act and how we think. And so... I mean, I'm looking out of my window now and I have this most lush garden and this is a really great place to be. So I don't mind coming back and I'm pretty sure Millie's going to join me again. And she probably won't be my daughter, but she'll join me again. And, you know, another epiphany I had is maybe maybe Millie will be the person that triggers me and is my enemy. I don't know. The point is we're all the same. The point is these relationships that we give so much attachment to they're no different to the relationships that bug us and the people that bug us. We're all connected. So the sooner we accept that and just try and find ourselves in the other in the most whole and loving way, the better for all of us, really. And I don't say that's easy, but I say that's the aim. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so my scientific mind has not signed up for uh, reincarnation yet. I call it compartment two. Compartment two is, I cannot prove it scientifically, but I cannot disprove it spiritually. And so I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm saying, I don't know. That's knowledge. Not knowing for certain is knowledge in itself. I, I, I'm not exactly sure of the definition of heaven and hell. I put them in compartment two. But I have to admit that one thing that happened over the years is that in my younger years, I had one wish, which is, I'm never going to go through this again. Like if reincarnation is real, I don't want to do this again. That's no longer my feeling. My feeling is um, it's actually quite chill. I love this. You know, it's like, it's not how difficult life becomes. It's the fact that you can handle it and love it and enjoy it that makes a difference, right? And in an interesting way, I mean, if, if I'm reborn with what I know now, oh my God, I'll take it anytime. It's like, that's so much fun. Like, there you go. Every woman in my life will love me. 
Uh, every, you know, every uh, child will be raised perfectly. Every, you know, it's, it's going to be super easy when you really think about it. You know, there will be no, and finance, money. I'll know, I'll know money like that, you know, no problem at all. I think that the trick of the, of the game, if you ask me, is, is how our soul, as you rightly said, has to go through different experiences so that it ends up in a place where there is a new mirror, there is a new knowledge, there is a new discovery. And if you think of this as the game, then maybe coming back is actually quite a lot of fun because, you know, even though it's difficult, you're still purifying. Yeah, you're purifying, you're becoming more refined, I think is the right word. Yeah, exactly. And like, for instance, I've never played Tom Cruise that I know of. I don't mind playing a different part in the drama next time. It could be fun. Never, you know, I would love it if Millie is there in some guise. I do believe she will be. Marnov, my son, Bitu, my husband, I really hope he's there. Although when we talk about eternity, we say, ah, uh, I think one life as a married couple's been good enough. <laughs> you know, we've done 30, we've done, you know, we've done 30 years, Mo. It's 30 years in June we'll be married. And we're kind of like, mm, I don't know about eternity. I think we've done good to manage <laughs> one life. But I certainly hope he's there. I certainly hope he's there, you know, as my brother, my my dad, my partner, whatever. I hope he's there. And I hope that he has a, a really beautiful life. I hope that for anyone that I've been in contact with, Interesting, you didn't say I want him back as my wife because, you know, to show him, like, you're there, you see, this is how you feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, actually, because I think he's so, I guess because he plays so much of the feminine and masculine role, he so plays both so well that I think we're very equal in that way. I don't think there's anyone, and I don't know how you feel, Mo, but there's nobody I would rather, rather have lost a child with than my husband. Oh, wow. I think that's why I am able to be the way I am. There's nobody I'd rather have lost a child with. You know, they say that everybody needs a gardener and a rose, and he is the gardener that allows me to flourish, but he's quietly the Zen master in the back who is just so... He just says, when I think about Millie... I cry with joy because I feel how lucky I was to have her. And he doesn't sit there mourning what could be. And I don't think I could be this way if it wasn't for him. He was an incredibly strong, noble, and yet gentle man. Very, very, very lucky to have shared that. But why I say not eternity is there's also so much pain there. Mm. You know, we both shared so much pain that that can be quite exhausting. You know that. It's exhausting. I have to say, you know, the way you described him as being noble, I don't think you deserve any less. I think the person that I've come to know in the last half an hour. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. If we both come back, I'd like to talk again. Okay, so that's the deal. deal. Now, let me talk about other parts of your life, which I think, you know, I think they are as impressive as unexpectedly uh, um, unusual, if you want. So you use spirituality and a lot of your woman side to build a business that is theoretically not in the spiritual part of our life, right? Beauty and looking amazing, if you want, and makeup and all of that is not really the spiritual side of life. And yet you mix Ayurveda with your own very feminine view at life and Mauli Rituals becomes a prominent brand in a space that is all about looking amazing and feeling amazing and taking care of yourself. Tell me about that experience. I mean, I know that it started after Millie, but tell me how did it become what it became? I think that beauty, when we are touched by beauty, again, we are touched by the divine. It's innate in us to seek beauty. We are beautiful, but too many people were looking at beauty from a superficial point and we wanted to say, no, it's right here in your heart and you'll only find it if you make time for yourself. So how it came about is when Millie was poorly, Bitu, I think men are generally better at this without generalizing, Bitu would go to the gym, he would work out, he would come back and be so present for our daughter. And I would hear them giggling together and having a really nice time. Whereas when I was with her, I would often be falling asleep and 
be very tired and I'd be projecting into the future of will I have to call an ambulance or what's going to happen? Or I'd be thinking about the past. And I wasn't really making the most of that precious time I had with my child because I wasn't looking after myself. And so when we thought about Morley, we thought, well, how can we give people Ayurvedic products that will encourage a ritual of looking after this body that houses this soul of ours, this incredible machine that houses our soul? We have to look after this machine like a car has an MOT. And so that's where Morley came from. But like I was saying earlier, Mo, it's the more that we delved into it, the more I wanted to talk about Ayurveda and what it brings, because healer heal thyself. When I do that, it helps me because I'm learning too. And what I love is people say, I bought the product because it makes my skin look good. But then I started to read about Ayurveda and what the brand is really deep down about. And now I'm looking after my, my mind and body. And that makes me so happy. That's what it's about. It's for people to find a deeper connection. Because if it was just about beauty products, I can't be bothered. Honestly, Mo, I was 48 when I started this business. I'm not doing it to flog beauty products. You know, I'm too old for that. There was a time when that was really important. And you've been there. You've done it yourself. You know, there was a time when accumulating and that level of success is what drives you. And there's a time when that becomes quite hollow. But again, in Ayurveda, we say there is a time for us to be ambitious and driven. Actually, that's part of our journey. And then there's a time when we give back. That's part of our journey. And there's a time when we let it all go. It's no longer giving back. It's no longer acquiring. It's no longer learning. It's complete letting go. And that's the last phase of our life, you know, if we live this full life in the conventional sense. And so... This is the time for me to give back. Yes, I want to earn. I don't do it as a charity. We do give, of course, but it isn't a charity. I also have a duty to my son to support him. My husband and I both have a duty to our son. But it's certainly not solely that because I could probably earn a whole lot more being a consultant than I do at the moment running my business. But it feeds me. You know, it's my medicine. It teaches me. Just like every endeavor you do is part of your your growth, isn't it? And I love that people benefit from it. Most people don't realize that. Huh? Most people don't realize that you can actually do something amazing that feeds your soul and makes the world better and at the same time earn from it. Yeah. Honestly, Mo, there's parts of it I don't enjoy. Like if it's doing a lot of the admin part, that doesn't light my buttons and... Again, when Morley has to be my medicine, where I have to say, be completely Zen, whatever you're doing, whether you enjoy it or not, be wholly in it, find the awareness in it. And I, again, I have to remind myself that, and that is again, a part of the growth, that if it hadn't been for Morley, I wouldn't have got that. So I love what it's teaching me. I love it. And I love that people are benefiting from it. So let's go back to Ayurveda for a minute, because I thought Ayurveda... And obviously, as I confessed at the beginning, I'm not the expert, was just the taking care of the physical side of you, the health and, you know, maybe mental fitness. I clearly am wrong on that because you spoke about the idea of, you know, you have stages in life and first you earn and then you give and then you give it all up. This is very, this is a very religious or almost Zen-like teaching and, you know, this is not about your skin. So it's not about the health of your gut. So take me from the top. Here. So Ayurveda translates to science of life. It's 5,000 years old from India, but it belongs to the world, you know, because it's like the laws of nature. And it's based on what's known as the Sankhya philosophy, which is to know the truth. For us to know the truth, we must be healthy, of, as we were saying, of the body, of the mind, of emotions, of our spiritual soul, and of our social responsibility. Those are the pillars to really true health. Now, of course, everybody talks about gut health now. And yes, that's super important. And, and that is the crux of Ayurveda, uh, the digestive fire, just like the sun warms the earth. So too, our gut, our digestive fire warms our body. And basically, Ayurveda is 
a micro macro level, everything is connected. Nature within and around us is connected. In our body, we have our own ecosystem going on. And what it does is it teaches you how to balance that ecosystem that's in your body. And mine is different to yours because my nature is different to yours. It's all about understanding our nature. It's like, um, there's so much, uh, too much focus on people looking a certain way. People should be thin or actually some people that are healthy have rather a lot of fat on them. They're born a different nature. In different countries, people are built differently. And we don't want Lady Gaga to become Beyonce. They're very different <laughs> characters, but they're two incredible characters. So what Ayurveda teaches you is to work with your nature rather than against it. And don't try and be somebody else. Be the best of who you are, whatever quirk you have. So on a very elemental level, we put it that we are all made of the elements. So everything is. If you ever describe anybody as a very flighty character or a bit of an airhead, you're describing somebody who has a lot of air energy in their body. If you describe somebody as a fiery character, Italians <laughs> are described as fiery characters, passionate fiery characters, they have a lot of fire, fire quality. If you describe somebody as a very grounded, a very compassionate, grounded person, level-headed, they have a lot of earth quality in their body. So already you've, you've begun to understand their nature. There's so much more to it, but it, it's very vast and it's very simple. Work with your nature. How do you work with your nature? Like if I look at you, Mo, I would say you would be, I think you would be a pitta person, pitta predominantly, and then maybe some kapha. Pitta people are these fiery characters. They're very sharp. They're very, if I gave you a spreadsheet and I said, Mo, tell me where the margins are and where we need to claw back, you'd get it just like that. You're just oh, sharp. People would second. look up to you for, you are, you're sharp in a second. You would, you, you would not be phased by it. If somebody said you need to lead a team and, you know, we're setting up this new team and they need to do X, Y, Z, wouldn't phase you at all. What would happen though, and maybe this doesn't happen now, but certainly in your earlier life, you would have done that to the point of destruction because people who have a lot of fire are very ambitious, driven people who are also very hard on themselves. They have very big expectations of themselves. And when they don't watch it, those expectations then are also on other people. So because Pitta people are so bright, they would say, well, I get it. Why doesn't that person get it? I mean, it's not rocket science because they are so sharp. The kind of problem that might happen with pitta people is they may get inflammation, maybe ulcers in their gums, maybe peptic ulcers, that kind of thing. So you just have to keep in balance so that doesn't happen. And it's about opposites. So when the body is too hot, you want to cool it. And it's the same thing is that if there's too much air in the body, you want to have heavier, warm food to bring it down. And it's, it's just about understanding your nature and working with it rather than against it. But your nature as a whole, the physical is one part of it. You could be physically really fit, but if you have no compassion and you're being very hard on yourself, then you're not a fit person. You're not a whole person. You're just a fit person, but you're not a whole person. So um, that's what it's about. It's incredible. It really is. I mean, I, I didn't expect you to expose me in front of everyone like that. Thank you for doing it, though. It's actually spot on. How could you tell? How do you... <laughs> Would you say you are predominantly pitta? Would you say that? Do you get ulcers ever, Mo? I didn't know the terms, but I think the description of how I behave is actually quite spot on. I don't get ulcers, but I definitely have... When I was younger, I pushed myself really, really hard and I had a lot of expectations from everyone. Yeah, definitely fiery in terms of certain things. And I still today, believe it or not, I have to struggle. No, not struggle, but I have to sit down with me and say, hey, by the way, what you're expecting from you here is superhuman. I know you think it's doable. And I know that you, if you put your mind to it, you'll probably achieve half of it or more. But it shouldn't be that way. And it takes me a long time to say, no, hold on. You know, I mean, slow-mo, for example, is twice a week. And I have a full set of responsibilities other than slow-mo. But a couple of weeks ago, I was discussing, should we make it daily? And my producers were oh my like, God. are you... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
my producers were like, are you... No, I'm saying are, that too. Are you too. mad? You know, what happened to your brains? You seem to be a smart person, right? But it is, it's quite interesting. As I said, I, you know, we were talking at the beginning, I know I can feel a lot about a person from their eyes, but you could sense a lot. I don't know how you found out all of those things about me. You look at the physical... So the eyes give it away, the face shape gives it away, the way you speak gives it away. So somebody who has a lot of air energy, they tend to talk fast. They tend to talk fast, walk fast, spend fast. And they also jump from one topic to another. Mm-hmm. People who are pitta are, are very focused in the way that they listen. Like you, you'll, you'll say something and then you'll listen and you'll, hmm, okay, let me truly understand what's being said here. They're very thoughtful. You can tell, but there's cover in you. We all have all the energies. We don't just have one end. We need all the energies to be, again, Ah. we need water in our body. We need earth, the earth element to keep us stable. But some of us have more than the other. This is how we are born. This is our nature. And this is what explains why, how you can have seven children in a house from the same parenting style, but we can all be so different because of our nature, because of the elements when we were born, what was happening when our parents conceived is a mirror of what's happening in nature. We are nature. And so it's that understanding. And I think when you understand it, you you do have more compassion for people. You do understand, okay, they're like this today because, and what with me, what happens is, the understanding means I'll avoid certain food. I'm not going to look at general. I'm not going to look at paleo or this fad or that fad. I'll just say, okay, as a vata person with a predominant vata potential to imbalance, I could have things like bloating and gas and forgetfulness and anxiety. These are all vata things. So when I can see that happening, I'll change my diet to be right for my dosha. And that's what you need to do. You need to look at your diet. You need to look at massage, the herbs you're eating, the type of meditation you do, because even that's not a one size fits all. Some people can't visualize. Some people don't like chanting. Some people, I mean, a pitta person, they could pretty much do any of it because they are so able. A kapha person, these are the kind, compassionate people. And I think you have that in you. Kapha people are the how would you describe them? They're like the salt of the earth. They're the glue that binds people together. They are really kind. They will forgive, but they will never forget. So somebody does you down, you will forgive them, but you're not going to forget about it. And Kafa people will hold on to things. They will hold on to friendships, even when they're not good for them. They say, well, it's a friend. It doesn't matter. Let it be. It's fine. It's a friend. And even possessions like Kafa people will maybe have something in the house which has no use anymore, but it reminds them of something. It's a memory. They're quite sentimental. And they're the ones who like to bring people together. They're the ones who don't want conflict. So put it this way, if we were, let's say we were recording slow-mo and we were all in the room and you had just done the most important recording of your life, but for some reason it didn't record. The Vata person would say, oh God, it's my fault. That's that's me. The Pitta person would say, Anita, it's your fault. What happened? Tell me what happened. And the Kapha person would say, can we please just find a resolution? I can't bear this conflict. <laughs> yeah. And that's how the three types of people would deal with that. That is our nature. But we are not always like that, but that's kind of our set point. And it's just being aware of where your set point is and how to keep it in check, how to keep it balanced. I think it should be in companies. You know, I think it should be offered in companies because, again, when you understand the nature of the person you're looking at, you can also find the right role for them. (laughs) Like, you know, there are people who suit administrative roles. I don't suit administrative roles. Don't rely on me for (laughs) fact-checking. Rely on me for anything creative. And actually, I'm like humor. I'm Vata Pitta. So if things are not right, I'm going to be on it. But I want you to first get it right and then show it. I don't want to have to do that. But if it was in companies, I think it would be transformative. I'm looking at all of my my team now and all of my co-founders and others. And I'm like, okay, I need to study this. It is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Send me their photos. I'll I'll suss them out for you. It's done. (laughs) And when you started to go into this, this is when you started to work on your 
Ayurvedic practice if you want. You know, you change your food, you change your diet. Yeah, totally. I have to say, and I, I encourage everyone listening to us to Google you, honestly, because you said you started Molly Rituals when you were 48. When we started our conversation, I thought you were 32. I love you, Mo. <laughs> no, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not giving you a compliment. I, I honestly... You are, I like it. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. People, seriously, Google her. Now, this stuff is really working. It works because I think what it does, Mo, is it's about the inner happiness that it gives you, the inner knowledge that it gives you of your workings, that you don't berate yourself for the way you are. You stop trying to be like other people and you find the joy in your nature. I can't be like anyone else. There's no point me comparing and saying, I wish I was like that scientist. I'm never going to be like that scientist. Let it go. But I have my I have my own unique DNA and it's damn good if I will embrace it. Other ways, Mo, you can check people can do simple things like if you stick your tongue out in the morning, your tongue will tell you what's going on in your body. It's an organ that is giving you a sure sign of what's going on internally. So if there are ridges or cracks on your tongue, that means you have a big colon problem. You have a problem with your digesting your nutrients. If it's um, a yellow film on your tongue, that means there's a real problem with being very sluggish. Again, there's something not working right. It could be a liver problem. Just looking at your tongue will tell you so much. So that's why we scrape our tongue in the morning, because you don't want the toxins to go back in. What we say in Ayurveda, it sounds very base, but anywhere there's a hole, you've got to let it out. You know, like children, when they have a cold, they'll, they'll take it back in. You do not want to take it back in. You want to blow it out. If there's wax in your ears, you don't want to push it back in with a bud. You want to let it naturally come out. Actually, it's all about purgation. If we purgate the body and the mind, we will be healthier. It's incredible, though. Let me be a bit more curious here. So how, how does a beauty brand apply this to beauty, to skincare or to other parts of beauty? So what we do, we have a real 360 degree approach. So everything we do is natural because if you're giving up smoking, let's say you have a nicotine patch. Why do you have a patch? Because what you put on your skin goes into your skin. It goes into the body. And so every oil we use is 100% natural so that when it goes into the body, it does good. It does no harm. Then we want something that works on the physical level because why shouldn't people feel beautiful? As I say, I think beauty touches the soul and we are beautiful. Why shouldn't we enhance that naturally? Then we use adaptogens and essential oils because they have an impact on the mood. And the mind is also such a powerful tool. So we have a 360 degree approach to beauty. And as I say, I really mo if, you know, there are millions of really incredible beauty brands. I don't care to join that tribe just to sell a beauty product that's just going to make you physically beautiful. I care to join the tribe that makes people feel beautiful inside. If the doorway is that it makes them look beautiful and then they want to explore more, that is brilliant. And like you, Mo, when Milsey passed away, I started an initiative called Millie On and On. It was I want a million lives to be impacted and her goodness to live on. And so it was an initiative where we gave money to different charities. We still do it now. And we give a pound with each product we sell. It's only a pound, but it all adds up. Because I think beauty comes when we look after ourselves first, and then we look after other people. We can't do it the other way around. We can't give from an empty cup because it's a false giving. It's not sustainable. And so that's what we do. Just want people to realize that it's a precious life. It's a beautiful life and we are beautiful people. And that's it. That's it. That is so wonderful. And I, I can't agree more. I, and I, I say this for everyone to hear. I have never seen anyone who wasn't beautiful ever in my life. There is always something incredibly beautiful about every person. It's different. It's different, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to discover because people hide and, you know, sometimes they feel shy or they feel ashamed or whatever. But if you really get to know someone, there's always something beautiful. And what I find incredible is that people don't realize that. And the idea that it comes from within to me is what most people miss. I have 
wanted to have a six pack for the last nine years of my life and I will not have a six pack. I can guarantee you that, right? But I promise you, you if I have a six, I'm yeah, 10 pounds away for the last 10 years of my life. You know, I come closer like four (laughs) pounds in and then, you know, it's just, but I'll, I'll be very open. I mean, if I have a six pack, it wouldn't make me any more beautiful, to be honest. It comes from within. And I don't know if people who are not spiritual recognize that, that you may see the most beautiful woman on earth. And the minute you look at her, you feel that maybe she's cold, maybe she's not nice, maybe she's, you know, whatever. And you go like, but I don't want to be close to a person like this, right? And you may find someone on Instagram, I follow weight loss inspirations. So people who have actually lost weight, I'm still manifesting that six pack. And you look at those people who have lost, you know, 50, 60 pounds or whatever. And I promise you, they're beautiful either way. Most people that actually make the effort to take care of themselves. And I look at the before and after, and the after is normally with a tight thing and six packs showing and whatever. And the before sometimes is like 250 pounds. And yet they're both beautiful. So beautiful as a matter of fact that I sometimes ask myself, why did they do it in the first place? Why didn't they just love how they were because of, of course, of all of the societal pressures. And of course, they must feel amazing about themselves today, but they were beautiful either way. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, I guess it's the reason, isn't it? Again, Mo, as you said early on, it's intention. I guess it's why they're losing the weight and why did they put it on? If we're eating to suppress our emotions, that's not the greatest reason. If we're getting fit because we want to feel good about our body, that's great. I guess it's intention again. You know, Mo, when you're talking, I've heard some of your podcasts, they're so moving. You're talking because you've been there. You couldn't do it otherwise. So it's all divine and good and it's all right. It's all perfect. It's all perfect. It really is. I mean, in a, and I think you're an incredible example of that. I want to close with a, a topic that I can never miss when I meet a woman like you. Woman in entrepreneurship, a successful businesswoman, I think is an example we shouldn't skip talking about. So I openly say being an entrepreneur myself and having been in the corporate world my whole life, that it's definitely easier for a man. At least when I was growing up, it was easier for a man to succeed in in the business world. How did you do it? Was it easy? Was it more difficult for you as a woman than it was for your husband as a man? You know, what are your secrets? In Morley, I don't think it was more difficult at all. Not at all, because I guess I'm in a female-centric business. When I was younger and I worked in a male-centric business, it was definitely harder. There were all the jokes about being female and, you know, all the sexism, but I proved myself by doing a great job. And so that was very satisfying that it didn't bother me. And they stopped making those jokes because they could see it. But certainly in Morley, I don't feel it's been a disadvantage at all. And I've never even thought about it. It's just, I bring this to it and hopefully it's good enough. And again, all of us have a female and male energy anyway, and it's about which one you use depending on what function you're doing. So if I'm negotiating, I may bring more of that masculine energy, and then I'll bring some of that feminine energy because I'll know the sweet spot of what I can offer them that is important to them. Yeah, so I think it's absolutely not a disadvantage at all being a female. It's been wonderful and I don't know it any other way, really. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you openly, this is the most common comment I get from successful women. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed Tara Swart, who's a dear friend and a wonderful, wonderful human being on Slow Mo. Oh, I love Tara. I love Tara. Yeah, Tara's incredible. She's incredible. But her point of view is very straightforward. I never thought of being a woman or being an Indian in origin as a disadvantage at all. As a matter of fact, I never observed them or even recognized them. And and when I started to observe them and recognize them, I started to see them as very strong 
additions there, like their strengths for me, because, hey, look at me. Absolutely. I'm actually slightly different than everyone else, which by the way is, is true for everyone. And I can use that. I can use my feminine energy. I can use my feminine abilities. I can use my rituals that come from my origin or ethnicity. I can, I can use those things because they make me unique. They make me the person that I am. But I think the most common, the most common of all successful women I've worked with and met is, what are you talking about? There isn't a difference at all. And when you, when you see it that way, it starts to work. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I don't know any other way and I wouldn't want to even try any other way. You know, I think this way is good. Maybe in the next life. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But for this life, I think you're, uh, you're an example to follow. You're wonderful in every possible way. You're so generous and kind and your story is amazing, amazing, amazing. And what you've learned from it is, yeah, it's for all of us to learn. Uh, I loved our conversation. I'm so grateful that you came today. And to you, Mo. So grateful for everything that you're doing. And I hope our paths keep crossing. I really do. Okay, so here we are. I am now a bit more informed of Ayurveda and what Ayurveda is about. I'm a lot more informed about who I am in Ayurveda. It seems I'm not hiding anything at all. But I truly, truly enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. I hope it piqued your interest to look at Vedic wisdom and hopefully at yourself within it and maybe find a path to a happier, a more balanced life as a result. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity that you constantly give me to speak with so many amazing guests and learn about so many interesting topics. And uh, I hope you are enjoying them as much as I am. I hope that you will take the time to hopefully spread the message so that others can join us put it on social media, tell your friends about it. Be so kind to um, rate the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave a nice comment. And I can't thank you enough for the amazingly wonderful messages that I get every single day. All of the recommendations, all of the guest recommendations, please keep them coming. The easiest way to find me is more underscore Gaudat on Instagram, probably the fastest tool on which I, I respond. But Please also do excuse me if I take time to respond. I get hundreds and hundreds of messages. Sometimes it's too much to, to answer all of them. With that, I uh, remind you that as we go into our busy lives again, please, please, please remember that regardless of how much you have on your calendar and agenda today, there is always time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.